Hey everybody, and welcome to the Shore Stories podcast. For those wondering what this is all about, Shore Stories will take a deep dive into the lives of people at the Shore Church. We'll see how God has worked in their lives through the good and through the bad, and how God's redemptive story and grace has shaped them into who they are today. The hope is that in sharing our stories, we would get to know one another on a deeper level. And maybe we'll realize along the way that we're not alone in our struggles. And there's living evidence of difficulties being overcome with God by our side. Look for a new podcast to drop every week in the Shore Church iTunes feed or on our website at www.theshorechurch.ca slash shorestories. And without further ado, let's get to today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to the inaugural episode of the Shore Stories podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Chong. I'm the director of youth and discipleship at the Shore Church. And joining me today for our very first guest, uh, he's been a longtime member of setup and teardown teams. He's been on oversight. Uh, importantly to myself, he's been a youth leader. Please welcome in Brad Hutchinson. Brad, how you doing? I am doing great, Jordan. <laughs> I am just so excited to be the first ever member interview on your podcast today yeah it's a it's a big honor i'm glad you're completely natural there with your response <laughs> gonna come in hard you know yeah definitely well brad so glad you could do this i'm really excited about this podcast and just about you and and your story and uh i feel like it'll it'll have a lot of elements in it that'll help people in their faith so why don't we just start off from from you kind of telling us a bit about yourself how would you define brad hutchison well I am 35 years old. I'm 10 years married, coming up in a few days. Wow. Um, I'm a proud dad, and um, yeah, we've been going to the Shore Church for, I want to say, seven years now, seven-ish, maybe eight. Um, love it, enjoy serving and being in community there, and yeah, I do, I do construction, carpentry work. Uh, self-employed, do a lot of work on the North Shore, flipping condos, and um, yeah, that's me. Amazing. Ten years? Ten years. Man, does it feel like ten years? It does not. <laughs> it just flew by. What's the secret? Ha, huh, I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> well, if you know, we'll, we'll do another whole episode on that. Yeah. So where did you grow up then? I grew up in Burnaby. In Burnaby. And you live in Burnaby now? Temporarily. Okay. Yes. What's the plan there? Well, um, we're building a laneway house here in North Vancouver, okay. and while we're building that, we're just living back at my parents' place. Oh, yeah. Do they? How do they treat you? Like a little Bradley? Oh yeah, I'm like I'm the I'm the I'm the oldest. So, okay. but yeah, I'm uh, we get we get dinners upstairs with my parents <laughs> once a week or so, and uh, they take care of our dog pretty well and and spoil Rilla. What's like the the specialty that they made for you when you were a kid? Like the one thing that you always wanted? Oh, um, I think a, a big one was a roast beef dinner with Yorkshire pudding. Oh, classic. Yeah, classic. yeah that was like a Sunday special. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So you said you're the oldest. Uh, what do you have for siblings? I have, it's complicated. Okay. I've got uh, two half sisters. They're pretty young. Um, 
16, I want to say, and 14. Okay. We'll, we'll say that. Hopefully they don't uh, hear this and have to correct me. <laughs> uh, but then I've got uh, I've got a younger sister who's 32 and a younger brother who's 20, we'll say 28, 29. Okay. I'm terrible with, with remembering <laughs> all their ages. At some point, like the ages don't even really matter anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, I had a, I have another brother who he passed away. Okay. So yeah, we can probably get into that later. Sure. Um, well, so growing up in Burnaby, what was that like for you? I was, it was great. Yeah. What kind of kid were you? I was, I was pretty quiet for the most part okay. until I was around very like super close friends and got a little bit more out of my shell. I think they, some of my closest friends, they called me chuckles cause I would just get laughing and wouldn't be able to stop. <laughs> chuckles. Um, chuckles. I'll have to yeah. tell the youth that this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just, uh, played a lot of street hockey. Okay. Um, we just did a lot of stuff outside. Um, didn't even have cable when we grew up, so TV wasn't really an option. Oh my goodness! So we, we got really creative <laughs> with cardboard boxes <laughs> and making tree fort or couch pillow forts in the basement. <laughs> you know, you know the floor is lava. I can't remember what, what do you call that game, but yeah. we played all kinds of stuff okay. like that. That was that was childhood growing up. And and were you guys in church growing up? Yes, since uh, the very beginning. My my parents are Christians, okay. and my grandparents are Christians. Okay. So yeah, that goes way back, probably three, maybe even four generations, um, of of having Christian parents. Mm. So I was born pretty much going to Sunday school before I can even remember. And do you have do you have fond memories of that? Were you mad that they drug you out there, or what was your? Oh, like? yeah, it was it was good because yeah. at the time it was a like a huge crew of of kids my age, mm. even in a small church that that we were part of. Um, so just like. We just lived for the the breaks between the services, really, mm. uh, to to be pranking cars outside <laughs> in the parking lot, to playing, you know, the hide and seek through the church and in the attics and in the all the hard to get places. So yeah, it was just a lot of fun. So let's go back a second. Pranking cars in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. What did that look like? Well, this poor couple, they always drove like a really terrible car. It was just, I don't know. <laughs> And for whatever reason, we decided to like cover it in vines or to try to like, you know, this was maybe when we were a little bit older, like 15, 16, 17, mm-hmm. you know, have like 15 guys and we try to like move the car or like, you know, get it stuck in between two other cars where you can could not get it out like with for like having to get out of a parallel parking spot or something like that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Just all kinds of funny stuff like that. That's ridiculous. So what about what about as you got a little bit older into high school? Um, what what was that like? What kind of kid were you then? Um, probably got a little bit more quiet and reserved, in, especially like during high school hours. Um, mm. I probably, well, I would say that I hung out with like the popular guys and and whatnot, but was on the very fringe of that. Like my my friendships with those people were pretty much just during school hours. Outside of that, I would I would uh, head straight home and just keep to myself, you know, I, <laughs> I probably shouldn't admit this, but I think I played with Hot Wheel cars into high school. <laughs> um, at least into grade eight, I'll admit that much. That's fine, we all have something like that. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I was, 
growing up, growing to going to church, I, I, I was like a type of kid that wanted to like obey my parents mm. and try to make them happy, and was kind of scared of what would happen if I didn't. Mm. Um, I was kind of scared of my dad being angry, so like I was never tempted too hard to like want to go out to like a party during high school mm. or to try drinking or smoking or you know what you know smoke try smoking weed or anything like that like mm. i was like if that was happening i was out like mm. just like this is i'm super uncomfortable um i'm just gonna go home and mm. i was comfortable at home i could just you know i had lots of brothers and sisters and back back at home and we we got along fairly well together mm. um if, if it push came to shove, I could, I could beat them up if I had to. So that, that was, I was king of my own little castle, you know, that all changed now. I'm the smallest of all of them, but anyway, yeah, that was high school. Cool. And, um, was, was there hard things about high school or was it, was it pretty breezy for you? No, it was definitely hard. Like I, I would say that I struggled with, with the fact that, you know, it really did feel like those friendships were just there, very superficial to kind mm. of like keep up appearances. Like I got along fine. Like I could, you know, I was kind of funny. Maybe, <laughs> uh, you know, I could make people laugh from on, on occasion and I would get invited out and be like, no, sorry, I can't. It's just, but so, so, yeah, it just felt like those friendships were, were really just there to make sure that I wasn't a loner. Mm. That, you know, that was like the real purpose of those friendships. Mm-hmm. And then the friendships that I did have, um, especially as I got into high school, those maybe got strained or, or distanced a little bit because mm-hmm. I could see my friends from church who I was really close with. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't have as much problem like just you know going out and testing those waters that I didn't feel comfortable um, going into. So yeah. there would be times where you know I didn't want to be at home, but here I was and I would call up my, my other buddies from church and they were off going, you know, hanging out with their high school friends, doing yeah. whatever. And so then I started to feel like, oh man, I got, you know, who am I going to hang out with? I'm stuck here at home. And, you know, those, those times were hard feeling like, you know, there were moments definitely where I felt like I had no friends. Yeah. And that That's was tough. tough. Yeah. That's tough. Did that change as you got older? Um, I would think, I think it just got it got a bit easier mm. I think after high school where two of my main friends who I grew up with they kind of like went and did everything that that there was to do in high school and kind of like like my one friend he he actually became a Christian in I think in grade 12 and so his life turned around drastically mm. and and so as as we graduated and went off I, I pretty much just started working right away. Um, the friendships kind of got stronger again with my friends kind of, you know, turning the page and really taking Christian life a little bit more seriously. Mm. Um, so I would say after that, it got, it got much easier. Yeah. As just cause we had a real core group of, of young Christian people to do life together and hang out. And that was kind of my bubble of community. It was very, very much that and mm. no more. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. If you're hearing a bit of a chomping sound in the background, it's not me. It's my dog, Kylo. It's not me either. Yeah, it's not Brad either. My dog, Kylo, is just enjoying uh, his bone right now. I figured it'd be better to give him that than his squeaker toy. That would be a little more disruptive. But uh, so, so you grew up in church 
since you, as long as you can remember, yep. it's a beautiful thing to, to think about having a family that brings you to church as a kid. Mm-hmm. But I know there's also a lot of people who have a similar story, but would ev- will eventually maybe fall away from the church or stop going. What was it for you that keeps you there now? Was there a moment where you, where you really believed or, or felt like Jesus was your savior? What was it that um, got you to stick in with the church even to this day? Yeah, so the TSN turning point, right? <laughs> um, the uh, no, we so I went to a church that would—they're called the Gospel Hall. So they're okay. all like they pride themselves on you know heavily preaching the gospel a lot. And so what that would look like is Sunday night would be reserved for for two like speakers to to preach the gospel. It's just purely outreach. Hmm. Uh, that was the purpose of it, although there wasn't always a lot of people to really preach to who weren't Christians. But anyway, um, a lot of Christian kids listened to the gospel through that. Mm. Um, but then above and beyond that, like maybe once a year, no, not even that long, not even that often, but maybe once every three years or something, our church would, would hold like what they would call like a gospel series or a gospel campaign where they'd invite um, some speakers who, you know, they're like, we, we called them full-time missionaries back then, but it'd essentially just be, you know, someone who, who just goes around in like an itinerant preacher, um, coming to, to preach the gospel. So, uh, our church would host that and it would be like six nights a week for an hour, two speakers preaching gospel just every night. And, you know, my whole family would, would go, you know, no exception. It doesn't matter if you got homework, we're going to the gospel meetings. Like, that's how it was. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was uh, 12 years old at the time. And up until that point, like I was saying, like, it was just a very much a social, like, yeah. hang out with friends and just do whatever while our parents did church life. And, and yet... In one of these gospel series, one of my close friends, uh, he was like a year or two older than me, but so he may have been like 13 or 14 at the time, but like he had like a, just a clear moment of conversion or like, you know, a sudden realization that he was a sinner Mm. and that he needed a savior and, and he got it. Like Mm. it was like God saved him. And, and then it, that was like a real shocker to me, like, cause he, he like went like after this, ha- like the night and after it happened, he calls me up and he's like, Brad, I'm a Christian now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that like, that totally just caught me off guard. Mm-hmm. You know, like what? Like aren't, that's just like something for our parents to, to be doing. Like that's what they are doing to t- take serious. That's what they're taking that serious. And for us, you know, that we'll grow up and eventually maybe that will mm-hmm. be something that we would um, have to figure out on way later on, you know, 12 years old, like that, that's not, that's not important right now. But like when that happened to him, I was like, Whoa, okay. Like, because now like I've been going to Sunday school for 12 years or however long I know. And I know the gospel and I understand the gospel, but I wouldn't say that I have believed the, the gospel. And so I wouldn't say that I was a Christian up until that point. And so that like just rattled me like mm-hmm. uh, the next night, like, so night after night, we're having gospel meetings. I are maybe halfway through. And so the next night, like 
I'm not like writing notes or drawing or, you know, just totally not paying attention now. I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to listening now. If he got that, I, there's no reason why like, I, I want to be saved. I want to be a Christian too. Cause I kind of, you know, hell and sin and all that stuff. Like we, we heard that all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, the very next night, I think I was like, I got to figure this out, but it was just a real struggle between like, okay, I, I know this, I, I know what needs to happen. You got to believe to be saved. Well, yeah, I believe, but I'm not saved. Like how, what's going on? Mm. Like, I don't, I don't get it. So anyway, um, basically I was like sitting through there and like the, the, what would happen is if someone was like really struggling, like in, and interested and wanting to become a Christian, they would often like hang around after and speak to the speakers, like have like a little sit down with them and chat and Mm. hopefully it could be explained and, 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 you know, they called it like being led to the Lord, Mm -hmm. like, you know, something like that. Um, so yeah, I was like, I want to speak to this. I want to speak to the preacher, dad, you know, like really serious. (laughs) I'm like almost crying. Like this is serious business. And so, okay, we'll go get the speaker. His name is Gaius Goff. Like, well, that's a name you'll wow. you'll yeah. never hear again. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I sit down and speak with this guy, and uh, basically, what what really made it click for me was he had a pen in his, and he wore you know everyone's wearing suits and ties. So and he opens the suit jacket up and he pulls a pen out. And it's a really nice like metal, full metal push button pen. And he's like, hey, do you want this pen? I'm going to give it to you. It's like, it's a, it's a free gift. And he's like, and in taking that pen as a, as a gift, like I, I understood what the difference between knowing and believing was. Mm, like yeah. he told me it was a gift. And so I'm taking it as a gift and it's mine now because you've given it to me. And not only do I know and understand that I'm believing it and taking it. And that helped make it really click yeah. for me. Um, yeah, just you, you can know something, but until you act on it, it's really hard to act on faith. But mm-hmm. but in, in a sense, in taking that pen, that's acting on his word, like taking putting my faith in his word that in accepting that as a, as a gift. So that that made it really click. And, and God saved me then and there. And I felt like he just gave me the understanding and the faith to. Um, and, and yeah, that was probably when things changed. Wow. That's amazing. It's amazing, like God's timing, how like, He just ignites something in our hearts. So mm-hmm. we really just get it. It's something we may have heard like a thousand yeah, times before. Totally. And then you're just like, you're going to get it this time. And it's like, it's God's grace that He reveals it to us like that. Totally. And I think it's like, it's really encouraging too for like, I think we all have people in our lives who have heard about Jesus like a million times and choose not to follow Him right now. But it could just be like one more time, two more times, and then it's going to click in their hearts. Like, we should have hope that. God's going to reveal himself to everyone. That's really cool. So you're 12 years old. Yeah. 12 years old. If I'm not mistaken, I'm just looking through our, uh, our pre notes here. It's about the same age. You had a pretty tragic loss too, right? Yeah. Uh, it was just a year later. Okay. Um, yeah, that I lost my mom to cancer mm. and yeah, so it was, it wasn't super sudden, mm-hmm. but you know, she did deteriorate pretty quick. I think it all like came up and then you know, when you're a kid, a year is a long time, yeah, but sure. I think it like came, it was no, it like, became known. And then within a year she had passed away. Oh man, that's yeah. rough. That's tough at any age, but I guess yeah. at 12 especially. 
Yeah, yeah it was. What was that? What was that like on the family? Whew. I mean, as you can imagine, it would be just it just like tore us all apart. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, I've had a you know a lot of time like thinking about it now and reflecting back and well to start maybe for the for the family like just me I was the oldest so mm. my youngest brother at the time probably would have been maybe like six so five mm. or six years old yeah. so you know what children go through like in in growing up like the mother plays a huge oh, role yeah, in, sure. in just in mothering them and loving them and that's like that's something that only a mother can can do so but even for me at 12 like just getting into my my teenage years or just starting into that like yeah it was really tough like I I was kind of just like forced into a ton of responsibility Mm -hmm. and yeah like having to do like major chores around the house because eventually my dad had to get back to work Mm. and so we would be I think uh, like I would kind of have to like help get everyone off to school a lot of the time and then we'd come home and you know my dad would still be at work and so I'm kind of taking care of three siblings uh, until 4 30 or 5 and and then yeah, it was so tough. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and then my dad would come home and, you know, he just worked all day and then you got four four kids that are hungry and yeah. grumpy and and he's got to figure out what to make for dinner. And one 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 day I'll never forget, like he just he came home and he just like grabbed me and hugged me and just started crying. He's like, "I don't know what I'm going to make for dinner. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what we have." He just like and either while he was saying that or and giving me a hug like our neighbor just came to the door with a mm. casserole wow. like it was so as difficult as it was it was it was an opportunity to really see god um at work yeah which going back to my story my testimony like how i came, became a christian and and what you mentioned earlier about other other christian kids falling away like so i'm 12 now and i'm starting to see god in action Mm -hmm. like for real like you know in only ways that that would could only be god working you Mm -hmm. know it's really tough i think for for christian kids growing up to to really see that for themselves for sure because if it's just like told to them their their whole life and they never experience it for themselves well then it's it's not going to be real, and it, therefore it's it's not going to stick, and or they're not going to stick around. Mm. So, I think, yeah, losing my mom was was my first real taste of of seeing God, the evidence of God for real. Mm. Yeah. And, and would you say like, man, like you you just became a Christian, like was was there times where you were like frustrated with God or angry or what happened or were you just, did you find a lot of comfort in him? What was your, what was your relationship with God like through that? Well, it, it honestly probably wasn't very strong. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have memories of being angry at him mm. or blaming him. Well, that, that may have been the case. I, I don't, I don't remember, remember that, but it, it could be that that's just like all blocked yeah, out. Sure. I, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, just my main memories now are just, the the big moments where he would come through in in just the aftermath mm. um 
but I, I also have memories of like, being just kind of confused, maybe, maybe not angry, but confused, like when she was sick and like, you know, she's going, she's lost all of her hair mm. and she's like, needs like injections. I've, I don't know what daily that my dad had to give her. And, and it's just like, it's such a messed up situation. Mm. Um, it's just so confusing because I, I remember my dad called, called up the elders of the church to like pray over her and you know, I think there's like a passage about like anointing with oil for healing. Mm. I, I can't remember where that is specifically, but, but he, he's like, well, if, you know, in a moment of desperation, it's like, if it says that there's, you know, that there could be healing with it, with prayer and an anointing of oil, then why aren't we doing that? So he's mm. like, call them oil over and, you know, they were praying over my mom and, and yet, you know, nothing happened. So like, I, I remember those moments clearly and just being like really frustrated. Well, like, uh, like look at them like praying in earnest mm -hmm. and and yet nothing's happening you know so but i don't i don't remember being angry about that just like confused like yeah. how does this work yeah yeah that's tricky for sure so let's move move along a little bit so you are a teenager you get through high school how does your life change once you finish high school um, so this, this is kind of like good and bad time of my life. Mm -hmm. It's good because we have a great group of, of young Christian, um, community around, um, around me. And, um, so there were a lot of high moments there, but at the same time, like my dad did remarry, mm -hmm. um, and it was not long, maybe two years after my, my mom passed away. Mm. And so there was a lot of like friction and tension and just, you know, for someone to come in to, to four kids that aren't hers and then, and then somewhere along the line have two more, mm. um, I'm still living at home, probably like 19 and there's like two young girls around that, you know, those are her children and I'm just watching her bring them up. And it's just like so like com completely polar opposite from what my mom would have mm. been like, like where my mom was like very much like I am like really quiet and reserved um, and just like very like much like a gentle t spirit type person where mm. my stepmom was like. She's like, get her done, loud, like, you know, like act first, think later type, <laughs> you know, you know, it's just completely, you couldn't, you couldn't ask for two more different people. <laughs> so basically I felt the pressures in, in those, like after high school, I'm working, I'm still living at home. I'm still very much a part of home life and I'm often like having to like fight against my stepmom going to bat for my younger siblings when like I see her getting my, my stepmom getting like really upset and I'm not, I don't think that she's handling it right. And mm -hmm. you know, like there's just like major conflicts, um, along the way there. So those were really difficult, um, times. Um, but like from a spiritual perspective, I would say maybe I was just kind of like drifting along, but still having a good time within my Christian um, bubble. Mm. Yeah. So. Did you get along with your 
new stepmother and stepsisters? Well, I'm I'm the type of person who I'm, I'm avoid conflict at all costs <laughs> okay. until until it like is staring me in the face and there's no other option. Even right now, like in marriage. Too. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> the, my ongoing issues. I think that's a lot of guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where were we going with that? Uh, your relationship with your stepmom and stepsisters. Well, the sisters are like they're great. Yeah. So they're so young and like uh, like even now like we're back living there. They're just like helping out with the baby mm. and um yeah we we do like we're watching Down Abbey uh, once a week and they're they're in on it because we're getting ready like the last season we're we're just brushing up to yeah. watch the movie you know yeah. uh so yeah get along great with them um but at the time like they were just uh, pretty much babies when I was still living at home mm-hmm. like when I was after high school so. Um, where I didn't, you know, I, I just didn't get along with my stepmom and like where she would like kind of lose her temper a lot. And then I would have to like, I would confront her or like just in the, oh in the worst ways too. Yeah. Like, uh, just, yeah. You're an adolescent boy with yeah. attitude. I bet exactly. yeah, I've been there. I feel, I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> That's weird. Um, so, so when you finish high school, how long till you eventually got into what you're doing now, like the construction industry? Oh, this was, I thought I wanted to be a mechanic. Okay. So going, coming out of high school, my dad was a carpenter and every time I'd go to work with him, I'd be the laborer. So like, I was like, there's no way I'm going to do carpentry. All it is, is (laughs) digging and lifting and, and like the worst possible work that you could do is what, what I would always have to do. And so like, it's like, there's no way I'm doing that. So I started doing automotive stuff and I worked at Mercedes Benz and I thought, man, this is the best. (laughs) I'm just detailing cars okay. and I'm driving around and like, cause there's always like really cool trade-ins like at the time, Todd Bertuzzi, like he, he traded in, yeah, he traded in a Ferrari to our dealership and oh, bought wow. a Mercedes. So I'm driving around in his Ferrari, wow. like getting gas in it. And like, I'm, I'm like taking pictures on my like flip phone, like, Hey guys, like, <laughs> sending pictures of this sweet, super cool car. And everyone thought I was like, had the best job in the world and it paid pretty good. And, Anyway, my dream was to eventually become a mechanic there, but even working there, I got bored because it's just eventually it's just the same thing right. every day. Yeah. And so I left that and I went and tried to elect um, uh, to become an electrician. Okay, I, I couldn't wrap my head around um, all the theory of mm-hmm. of electrical, and it was just going to be really hard for me to do that. And so I've just bounced around all the different. It just eventually just came right back to to carpentry and. Uh, yeah, but there was a. I took a break off of off of working, and I went down to to Nicaragua for a oh, year okay. to do mission work. So, so when you say you took a break, how long of, of a break are you talking about here? I took a year off of work. Okay. Mm-hmm. To go to Nicaragua, and what was the plan there? Uh, so, yeah, a friend who I mentioned earlier, his name's Kyle. Um, we grew up like two blocks away. Um, went to high school together, and he he became a Christian in grade twelve. Mm. Um, shortly after, maybe a year or so after high school, he started going down to Nicaragua to help out in the mission field down there. And so he would go down for, it was like a month, and then it was like six months, and then like just like extended periods of time. Um, and while he was down there, I thought I would go and um, visit him to see kind of what what he was doing down there, and the work he was involved in. So I went down for a week and uh checked it out and had a a really good time it was like 
it was an eye opener to me because at that point in my life, I really like separated out like okay, when I'm like serving or you know doing work for God, those those times happened, you know, on a Sunday or you know when I was like dedicating time to like read and study the Bible, mm. but like going to work that was just going to work, you know. Sure, I, like I didn't do anything like different or wrong, but I just compartmentalize that as just work mm. um, but then going down to Nicaragua the whole week I was there like we were helping so-and-so put a new roof on their house and, okay. and and then and then you know helping someone else get to the hospital to get like medication mm. but for, for some reason something changed and it just felt like the whole time I was there even though we were doing very practical things and helping people just felt like the entire week was just like serving mm. no matter what we were doing which was really cool so i was like i was really hungry and, and wasn't satisfied with kind of what i was doing or what i had the ability to do mm. like because you know you're working 40 hours a week full time and and you know, social life outside of work and whatever so like there's very little time in my mind to do anything for god mm-hmm. So, um, a, t- a little bit of time goes by, and the there's a few people down in Nicaragua, and they decided that what they wanted to do was invite like a small team of of single guys down to to help them out for a year. Like they wanted each person to give like a commitment of like an entire year straight to learn the language and just really. Um, the goal was to plant a new church in a new area wow, down there. Cool. So they send out a list of invitations and uh, to, to like, like 10 or so guys, three of us accepted and went. And yeah, I had just started, I had just met Christina and started mm. dating her. And then and left. you left. <laughs> so that was interesting. And she stuck around hey, and waited for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Despite really bad communication that's, on my part. That's love, man. Wi-Fi sucked down there, <laughs> and I was a really bad communicator. Still am. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's even worse when you're thousands of miles away. But mm. anyway, um, yeah. So I would say that would be like the next major kind of time in my life mm. where, you know, I, I went from witnessing God work when my mom passed away. Yeah. And then you fast forward now to like when I'm in my early 20s mm-hmm. and and now like f- full on getting to see God work in people's lives in like crazy ways. Yeah. Like, you know, poverty is just insane down there. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing like just the transformation of what God can do in people's lives when they're when they're so poor and so messed up. Like mm-hmm. there's like, addiction and just like like family dynamics are just crazy. You've got like so-and-so, you know, marrying his, or, you know, they just like have kids with the neighbor and then, you know, but, but sh- the neighbor's married and they, sh- you know, it's just, it's just yeah. chaos down there. Um, so yeah, just, just like learning language and just seeing God transform lives. Like it was, it was amazing. Wow. Like I got to like, be instrumental in in seeing this one one guy he like 
became a Christian through my poor preaching, I guess, in mm. Spanish, you know, and, and just like baptizing people and it was crazy. Wow. Yeah. We went, we went on this one, one trip. It was like near the end. Um, there's a river. It's called the, the Rio San Juan and it borders Costa Rica and mm. Nicaragua. Mm. And it starts pretty much on the very westerly side of, of the country. And it, it actually almost was going to be the Panama Canal, this, this river, okay. because the river probably travels 95% of the way across the, the country. Okay. And uh, so from the, from the, there's a, a lake at the start of the river, all the way to the end of the eastern side of the country, we traveled by riverboat. And once you hit like, the first after the first quarter of it there's no roads mm. beyond like you're just hitting river village after river village wow. in the jungle and so we went down there with and another like side um mission for for our year down there was to distribute just like small parts of the bible like like text like verses on okay. like printed on on paper in their language as well as like more like information about like how like pretty much the condensed version of the gospel in like a small packet we like try to do wide coverage throughout mm. like sections of the country and so this was one area where they wanted to go and like hit and just blanket cover um these areas these small towns and so just you know there's like crocodiles in the river oh and <laughs> we'd spend like eight ten hour days in the boat all day and then oh just man. stop at a little little like fishing dock dug out canoes and get out and just go through the town it's so weird the towns had no roads because there's no cars so all they have is just little walkways between little huts and they're like on stilts and it's just like we go knock on their door and like say and they just talk to them and like share the gospel for anyone who was interested wow it was it was cool so yeah just like that was like a major high point um and just yeah like i said just seeing god work experiencing him in in so many ways like answer prayer yeah and yeah man how how do you come home from that experience like what do you what do you do from that that's so it sounds so incredible that must have been like you must have had like withdrawals from like totally some of the moments it's like culture shock yeah you come home and they're they're charging you five (laughs) dollars in seattle airport just for a push cart to put your bag on crazy and my mind is just blowing up like five dollars like some of these guys down there, they don't make $5 in a week. Yeah. And, he, you know, yeah. And then being extremely miserable, having to go back to work, and again, mm. I'm fighting the whole, like, like, how do I serve God mm. like I did down there up here when I have to spend so much time just, like, making a living, you mm. know? So many expenses, and you got to have a car, and you got to insure, and you have a place to live, and we're going to get married and how much is that going to cost? And like, I was just like, I was so bitter about like how much everything costs and like why we have to, you know, starting to like question everything that we're doing, like within like the church that I grew up in now, because you go down there, we, we basically planted a church and you, when you plant a new church, like all of the tradition that, that is out there, you know, in like the, the different denominations or or non-denominational churches that claim they're they're not denominational mm-hmm. regardless they have like major traditions totally. they do things 
that you know you just don't even think of or mm-hmm. question. You go down there and you plant a church, and these new Christians, um, you know, they're just hungry to to learn and to worship God. Mm. So you're gonna now we're teaching them, you know, w- what's involved, and so now we're like going back over all the basics. Mm-hmm. And like, well, why do we need to do this? You know, like, and uh, you know, are we gonna make them wear suits? They don't even <laughs> own like you know. Yeah. That's the kind of background that I came from. Right. And so you strip away all the tradition and now you come back and like you're coming back into all the tradition. And I was just like hating it. Mm. And that just started the whole like discontentment while also uh, that, that started it perhaps, but it also like getting married and like bringing my wife into the childhood church that I grew up in Mm. further questioning about why we do things started a very long chapter of like being a little bit bitter and discontent and just kind of not happy spiritually that time. Yeah. yeah. So what do you do from there then? Like what's, like well, obviously you're not at that church anymore. Mm-hmm. So what was that wrestle with? Like how did you end up at the shore? Right. Um, well, I was like very much trying to just really just, at first, well, hang on, I have to think about this. Mm. I think I, I, I acted out in like frustration a mm. couple times in like we could have a Wednesday night prayer meeting and it'd show up and literally I would, I swore like there were people were sleeping, mm. like we're supposed to be praying. Like, you know, I, again, I come back from Nicaragua. There's so yeah. much need. There's so much to pray for. And what, yeah. are, you sl- what are you sleeping for? Like, mm-hmm. we, this is 45 minutes to pray. And like, we should be praying. Like, there's no shortage of things to pray about. Mm-hmm. So I just remember standing up in the middle of things and just like going off. Oh, like, no. just, just, just lost it <laughs> in front of like everybody. Oh, no. Pretty much said what I just said to, yeah. to everybody in the church yeah. and just like sat down. And just was like boiling. So there's like times like that. And then, you know, like I want to see change. We, we want to see change in the church. Like we, let's, there's just so much that we wanted to see different. And mm. unfortunately, like we, so we would bring these concerns to the church oversight. And the response was, well, you know, we don't want to offend, you know, old Mr. So-and-so. Because, you know, if we made some major change like that, then they would be, upset and we're all about like we want to have unity in the church Mm. and you know so these are just really hard responses yeah and you know so christina my wife like she had a lot of like frustration too like in just how the gospel was being preached and like it just felt like in those messages that they preached it was like 95 percent you're a sinner you're a sinner you're a sinner you're going to hell. This is the punishment for sin. And then, you know, there's like 5% of that message is Jesus is your savior and you trust in him and mm. you'll be saved. Kind of just tacked on at the end. Mm. So, you know, you know, in that, in, in that church, like women were not allowed to speak publicly. And, um, so, you know, there was definitely no room for, for her to do anything personally about that, but except for like bring that up to the to the leaders to the to the oversight and yet nothing um would be done about it Mm. so 
and then there was just like a lot of tension within our relationship, just going back, going back and forth. Like because, in a lot of ways, I still did like it was just like the place where I grew up. So it had a special place sure. in my heart. Like I wanted to make it work. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I want to see change, but I don't. I'm not. I'm ready to not ready to leave. Yeah, for sure. And so I, I would do a lot of like you know back and forth with Christina. Like ah, uh, you know, it you know just try to pacify her like it's okay like mm. just give it time be patient and but eventually we just like it was just getting so bad and it was really starting to affect our 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 relationship and it just it got to a point where um you know before god i just like you know more important than what church we go to like i want to preserve our marriage relationship mm-hmm. more than just you know look like pretend like everything's fine and just continue going to this church and and just i was just scared what what would happen if we just stayed there so we started looking for looking looking at like other options which was a big deal just to kind of mentally shift my thinking that way yeah for sure that was really hard because even the church that we grew up in like that they they taught like like you don't leave like it, like being in being in the church like is like being in a marriage relationship and right. it's yeah. like divorce pretty much like right. you you don't do that and and also on top of that like every other church outside of this network of gospel hall churches is somehow lesser than or do, doesn't fully have the full truth like we do mm. and so so you know growing up being told that and believing that um felt like very risky to be like okay we're going to be considering like going somewhere else Mm. to some other church and very possibly i'm thinking in my mind like we're going to be sacrificing something in order to move Mm -hmm. because my my limited understanding of what other churches were are like or what they really are like was just totally skewed by by that mm. so it was a complete surprise um to go and like anytime i went to another church i'd just be like sitting there just listening just waiting for something to be said that that i thought was wrong mm. so I'd just be judging the whole time yeah. like not really listening just judge 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 and uh but unfortunately like some of the times we would go it wasn't so much when we were looking at during that time but like other times you'd go to the church and like they're just way off mm. so you'd, you'd be justified in, in, totally, in yeah. that thinking so but yeah it is a wise thing though like there's a line obviously but it is a wise thing to go and if you're especially if you're exploring a new church to give it give it some time and really do test everything that's being said to to make sure that it lines up with basically the bible and, For sure. and what you believe but uh, it sounds like, especially for you, you're coming in with a little bit of extra baggage from totally. some of your experiences. Mm-hmm. And th- I'm wondering, I'm curious, through all this, um, did Christina grow up in the church as well? No, she was, okay. she would be the so, exact opposite. So this was her first experience in church, or? Um, well, so within the the Gospel Hall churches, there there's like a network of them within, okay. well, across the country. But even within Vancouver, there'd probably be like a dozen of them. Okay. So her contact um to that church would be here in north van okay. north van in deep cove while i was going to a different one in oh gotcha in um vancouver 
So, so yeah, she through her boyfriend at the time, um, he's the one that introduced her to, to the gospel, um, in that church in mm-hmm. deep cove. Okay. So she started, she became a Christian there. And then when we got married, she moved and joined our church. Right, I got so you. it was kind of joining a new church for her, but she had very little background yeah. of like the tr- tradition and you know, the ways why people, why we were doing what we were doing. Yeah. I, I can see, I can just see that whole experience being so difficult, especially cause you're in that community for so long. Mm-hmm. Like I you wouldn't said, even think of, of yeah. questioning it. It was like, it was like the air I breath. Totally. It was like, it was like family to you, right? Totally. Leaving it would be so hard. Even and if you so did small feel, too. Yeah, yeah. That'd be really difficult. Really difficult. So did you, were you close to going to other places before you found the shore or did you go to other places before the shore? Um, we went out to Langley. You don't, you don't need to name all the places. Yeah, no, we just curious. we just went out to a place in Langley, mm-hmm. um, and it was it was really good, mm-hmm. it was solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we were doing like a, a home Bible study, like mm-hmm. with with um, someone who goes to the shore now. Um, so, but she also had a background in the gospel hall, but, okay. but left like earlier on okay. and was going to the shore. But then we were just doing like home Bible study together with them just, mm-hmm. you know, to get together to study. Yeah. And she invited us to come check out the shore. And it was, you know, she, I don't think she had any idea that we were currently considering like checking out other places, mm-hmm. but she invited us and we're like, we kind of like wanted to like, the attitude was like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll surprise you and come like, mm-hmm. you know, um, she probably didn't expect us to, yeah. to come, but like, yeah, we'll check it out. And, uh, so we did and yeah, we were there and just, um, again, like my whole attitude was just like, <laughs> something's wrong, you know, something's wrong. Something's <laughs> going to happen that, <laughs> yeah. that is going to be completely obviously wrong. And yeah. that's going to be the excuse that we never have to come back here right, again. Right. Um, well, you know, if you're looking for negatives, you're probably going to find negatives. You know, for, for sure. And churches are full of sinners too. So, I mean, you're yeah. probably going to find some mistakes in there. Definitely. <laughs> so, so ultimately like how, how long did you, were, were you guys attending the shore before you decided like, Hey, like this is going to be home for us. And, and what was it about the shore that stuck with you guys? Um, it was, it was a couple things. <clears throat> Number one was at our old church we felt like there was a major cultural disconnect between the church itself and the community around it mm. and the city that it was in. Like it just seemed so irrelevant at the time. Like, you know, if a new person that never had been to church before came in the door, like they would just be mm. like, this is weird. Right. Like you just come into this <laughs> old building that's, you know, kind of run down and you come in the, the chairs are orange and it's just all the, there's all these old ladies wearing these crazy hats with like <laughs> fruit displays and feathers and, and the, all the guys are wearing suits and I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but, <laughs> but it's, it's like that, you know, like very formal, very solemn and, and a, a lot of traditions that, mm. that are hard to explain. And then at the shore church, you know, it just felt like, okay, number one, it's in a movie theater, Mm -hmm. very approachable, um, very, I would say relevant to the culture. It's like a familiar territory, right? Right. Yeah. I've been where a new person, like I would, I I can see a new person coming in here and be relatively comfortable 
sitting down and, and just listening. Sure. So, so with, with that, that was, that was what impressed us. Um, and, and just how seriously they took like the visual aspect of just how things looked. Mm-hmm. I think taking that into consideration, mm-hmm. like from a new person's perspective, I think they were executing that well at the mm-hmm. time. I think they still do. And, and then also the teaching was, um, a big part too. Like, like I was saying before, like I just thought, well, like I'm going to hear something wrong. Um, and I just keep listening and listening and I'm like, this is amazing. Like, so what was so amazing about the teaching that really drew you in? Well, recently my wife and I, we were just going through a big change in what is called, uh, reformed theology Mm. uh calvinism versus Mm. arminianism free will versus god's sovereignty Mm -hmm. um the church i grew up in was very much for free will Mm -hmm. and and it's very much about like what you as an individual needs to do in Mm -hmm. order to accept christ it's on it's basically on you as an individual whereas you know, Calvinism and God's sovereignty, it's God's grace and God's, it's God's action that Mm -hmm. saves the individual. And it was a real struggle and a wrestling match and lots of studying and reading and kind of battling and trying to figure it out. And ultimately, I don't think you could fully figure, figure it out. But I did land, Christina and I both did land, um, on the other side of like of of Calvinism and mm-hmm. God's sovereignty, God is the one that saved, it saves and and so not only were we looking for a church that that was more relevant and that you know preaches the gospel well, but also aligns now with with this new doctrine that that we've kind of adopted mm-hmm. and and Westside or the Shore Church at the time very like totally had that teaching i think it became like com- completely evident in like the first or second sunday that we were there and because all of that was very fresh in our minds like mm-hmm. we had kind of been studying that recently it was just really cool to like hear a sermon on it mm-hmm. and hear it taught so clearly compared to like it being completely denied mm-hmm. um in our previous church so that that was like one of the big factors that like we could go to the, the the shore church and just confidently know that that the stance and the teaching was just ex- completely aligns with with our views and at the same time would be free enough to just have to, to admit that that there's a lot of open-handed issues that you know Sure, you might not fully agree or, or see things exactly the same mm-hmm. in every little detail, but you're still welcome here. Mm-hmm. And and that was very freeing too, like just knowing that like, you know, I could be at this church and worship alongside um, you know, other people in the room, even though we might not, you know, see things exactly the same, mm-hmm. but we'll have like a common thread in that we all know that Jesus Christ is our savior. Totally. And, uh, like that's like you know, some of the close-handed issues that are, you know, have to be there as a foundation. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was just nice to, it's kind of like a breath of fresh air where, you know, there seemed to be no 
open-handed um, views at our previous church. It was just all like, this is how it's going to be, like down to like, you know, what you had to wear, mm-hmm. what, which was ex- what was acceptable. Um, it's either, you know, their way or you probably shouldn't come here mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I feel you. I feel you, especially on the teaching, like it, and just talking to a lot of people who come to the shore or previously West Side, North Shore, like why they came. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and even for myself, like the teaching seems to be the biggest aspect of it. Like it's a place that um, guys aren't scared to fearlessly preach the gospel and preach the text. And, and what I love about the shore and West Side is that they go through books of the Bible, mm-hmm. like they go through verse by verse, meaning like you can't skip anything that's hard when you do that. Mm-hmm. And I really, really appreciate about that. I appreciate that about the shore and, and love that. Yeah. Um, what about like other aspects of like you're going to a new church for the first time in years. You love the teaching. The teaching's really great. What about like getting community and getting into finding new community at the shore? What was that experience like for you? Um, it was it felt pretty natural. Um, I think we started by joining a community group. I think like, I think we ended up in, in James and Nikki's community group, um, to start. And, um, yeah, it, it just, it seemed just really normal, really natural to, to do that, you know, coming from the church that we came from. I, I should say to that in the, gospel hall church there is no um pastor position um where there's like a paid position for a pastor Mm -hmm. um all of all of that work that you know james you see james doing is all shared between um different men in the congregation Mm -hmm. so it it, there's a closed congregation so so that's a, a major difference and, but then all the men within that congregation uh, share the, the workload of preaching the gospel, of teaching the word. Um, so, yeah, like I had to, to preach often and not just at our church, like the, the, mm. the network in the city of Vancouver of gospel halls, you know, they'll call you up and say, hey, are you free to preach the gospel on this Sunday, you know, or, or you know, like a a Sunday in, in the coming month or something like that hmm. and teach Sunday school. And, and, and it's a very small, each church is quite small, 40, 50, 60 people, maybe a little bit more. And, uh, and so in a small church, you, you, you're asked to do quite a bit. Yeah, sure. Um, so my point is, uh, that serving feels very natural to us, mm-hmm. like to be very much involved so yeah, like there's a need for setup. Like I just jumped mm-hmm. pretty much right in right away once we started going there. I think before even being official members, it was like serving on setup and and you know that was that was when when the Shore Church or West Side at the time was quite young mm-hmm. and and you you know you were doing setup and tear down yeah. all in one day. And yeah, let me, and let me, I remember that. That's I met you when you were on the setup team. I was on the setup team too. Like, yeah. man, the setup and teardown guys nowadays. You guys have no idea how how easy you have it before. Back in back in my day, yeah. setup teardown set used to be one, one team. team. You would right. you would show up at seven. You would set up the church after the service was over. You would tear the place down. That's right. Fortunately, like we've grown a little bit, so we have two separate teams now. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was a, it was a grind. It was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, it's good having you at the Shore Church, obviously, and like you're a huge asset to like set up teams, tear down teams, doing oversight, helping in, in youth ministry. I want to move away from um, the church life a little bit, move into your more personal life. And I know just from knowing you well, I know that one of your greatest joys in your life is, is being a dad. Mm-hmm. But I also know that the journey to get there uh, wasn't an easy one at all. Um, would you mind just like just getting into a bit of your journey to, to having your daughter that you have now? Yeah, so that's that's getting a bit more raw, I guess, just because mm-hmm. it's all been relatively recent, maybe the past. Now, my wife's going to kill me because I'm so bad with knowing dates on the spot, <laughs> but like it has been a real crazy journey of becoming parents. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I'll just do my best to, to kind of summarize it. Um, ask my wife for the dates if you want to know exactly how long we were trying and and all that but uh anyway yeah it was it it has been really tough but i'm happy to say that currently it's an absolute joy mm-hmm. to be a dad uh so yeah there's there's a lot in my head i don't know even know where to start but basically we've we've wanted to be parents and wanted to to have children for a long time and we've just gone through a lot of of pain and suffering and the patience ran out a long time ago you know we had we got pregnant oh man it feels like over five years ago and uh and then i think it was you know, this is where it gets real bad so i think 12 weeks in we we lost the first one and and it just nothing prepares you for that like at, mm-hmm. at that time it just felt like nobody talked about miscarriage nobody said that getting pregnant would be hard you know you you grew up your whole life thinking that you know you look at someone the wrong way you might get them pregnant mm-hmm. and uh but it, it you know for us it was just so difficult like just to get there and then you know to to lose a baby is just like for all the, the details involved in that, you just, you don't know about it. You don't know if, whether you should be, you know, going to the hospital or not, or there's just so many questions that come up and you're just, you feel like you're all alone and that nobody else goes through what you're going through. And then, you know, and that's just the start of the journey, you know, you just, you, you look around and, you know, you're, you're praying like to have children is, is biblical. Like God mm-hmm. commands uh, husbands and wives to, to have children. And yet it just not like, why is it so difficult? You know, this is, this must be your will Lord. Like, so why can't it be so? And, and then it just seems like all around you, um, you know, couples are, are having babies and with mm-hmm. what seems like a parent, ease and we got got to a place where we called it being lapped you know Mm. we you know saw someone get pregnant and have a baby and baby's healthy and fine and we're trying and we're trying and we're trying and then all of a sudden they have their second Mm. and in some cases their third and you're just like you just like the bitterness that that set in the anger with with god and Mm. and and then finally you know we 
in 2017, we, we get pregnant again, and the pregnancy is just complicated and difficult, and Christina's like crazy sick all the time, uh, supposed to be on bed rest, and there's just all kinds of problems. And so 24 weeks in, Christina goes into labor, and that's like super early. Um, I think pregnancies are supposed to get to like 36 to almost 40 weeks. Mm. And at the hospital, they told us that I think 23 weeks and some amount of days is when they consider uh, a baby or they they consider a fetus uh, viable. Mm. And and they basically consider it a baby at that point mm-hmm. uh, where, where they could keep it alive if it were to be born. Um, and Christina goes into labor at 24 weeks. And, and it's just like sudden. And it's just, there's lots of details that I don't really want to get into. But, mm-hmm. but all of a sudden, we have this little baby girl. We, we named her Lila. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, there in the the BC Children's NICU, the intensive care unit for babies. And uh, so now we're preparing ourselves to go on this crazy journey of, of seeing this super premature baby mm-hmm. come into this world. And, and just, it's an absolute roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Like day, day one, we're asked if we're, we're going to try to, you know, keep this baby alive or to, to, let it go and it was like this sudden major decision mm-hmm. they're telling us like all the possibilities and percentages and you're just you know you're just in complete shock mm-hmm. and you know we've been wanting this for so long so like a, you know and here's this this baby that's alive and of course we're gonna try everything mm-hmm. possible to 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 keep it alive and to to save to save her and and so she's like in this like incubation looks like a like a cell or a capsule and uh and just every day is just like something crazy's happening like either her she, her lungs aren't working and her or you know there's just like just major issues mm-hmm. and some days with with crazy help from so many doctors and nurses and respiratory specialists you know they're keeping her alive and she has a good day and we're like wow this is amazing mm. and they're like be prepared for like six to eight months to a year of this and so like we we move we, we pack up everything and we move next door to the hospital mm. and and you know like i just quit working i have to stop everything every single day we're just at the hospital all day long sometimes all night long like 24 hours in like all at once like no sleep and you know, and yet, some sometimes you're just sitting there, and all you can do is like play a stupid game on your phone while you're just waiting. You feel so helpless. It just it was terrible, mm. and and like you can't even you can't even touch her. You know, just she's on so many medications, so fragile. It's just crazy, and it just it went on for three weeks, ups and downs, like huge wins huge like overcoming like crazy odds um surgery 
infection just but in the end you know she didn't make it mm. and um, you know Christina's first time holding her was after she had passed mm. which is crazy yeah and just just so sad and uh, I couldn't even bring myself to hold a baby like that mm. so like, I didn't didn't even do it so yeah funeral and burial mm. three weeks old and uh, yeah it's just so so tough and you know Christina's body's never going to be the same after all the surgery that she went through mm. um, you know recovery for that was like over a year and so we weren't even allowed to try now so you know it's just like it was just it was so terrible and there was like times of, of depression and extreme anger and bitterness even more so now and and I feel like just so helpless like as a as a guy like I always mm. just want to you know I'm I just want to f- be able to fix things yeah. like you know that's what I do for a living. Like I just come into your house and I give you a new kitchen or a bathroom and I, you know, fix whatever's wrong. You know, how do you fix not being able to get pregnant? And it's, you know, it's, and it's just nothing you can do except pray and be patient. Mm -hmm. And, and yet like prayer just became just anger, bitterness, rants to God. Even if, if we did feel like praying seasons of that, it's just Mm -hmm. dark and, brutal um anyway so just wading through all of that was just extremely difficult Mm. on our relationship um yeah just a lot of a lot of dark days and and then pregnant again like, ah, I don't even know, a year and a half later. Hmm. And all of a sudden, this pregnancy is just like a walk in the park, like just completely opposite, like smooth. We have like, we're going in for like checkups, what seems like every week. I don't know if, if it was that frequent, but it was, uh, there was a lot because we're just expecting the worst mm-hmm. to happen, you know, anytime now things are going to take a turn sure. and and they're just going to be you know well, here we go again uh, more complications and you know every ultrasound is just like so nerve-wracking like well, what are they going to find now and and yet you know we kept going back and more checkups and you know and nothing like everything just going so smooth like this is so strange mm. um but uh yeah had a beautiful baby girl six months ago today um which is really exciting and she's so healthy if mm-hmm. you if you know her you, you can just tell by looking at her how healthy she mm-hmm. is Rilla and uh she's just an absolute gem so cute and now I don't know the only thing that I can say about the crazy journey of it taking so long and it being so difficult and having a you know, tasted what it is like to become a dad and then losing that so quickly. Um, 
you can you can just cherish it that much more you know if you don't know what it's like to to have lost a child um i don't know if you can appreciate the next one as as you could if you knew what it's like to to lose that Mm. um so we just take it as a deep privilege Mm -hmm. from from god um yeah, it's just, it's so good. It just, it's enough to just wash away all the darkness mm-hmm. and and just be enough to just enjoy and, and be able to thank God, you know, just in in all the difficulty and all the loss and all the suffering, this child is, is enough of a gift to just say, this is amazing and yeah. you're good. I mean, that's how I feel about it, mm-hmm. but... Uh, yeah. So it's really special, and it's it's just a real joy uh, to have her. And yeah. Yeah, she's beautiful, man. And thank you. I appreciate you sharing all that. I know, man. I can't imagine. I, I think of like there's a lot of verses that talk about how God is has a plan, and like like Ecclesiastes three, like God's gonna make everything beautiful in His time. And mm-hmm. I think like on the surface, like you can say those verses to people and. But it's a lot harder to, you know, when you're in the grind of it all, it's hard to see that. Like, I'm sure there were moments totally. for you guys when you're in the grind, um, going through it all, where it's like, how is God going to make this beautiful? Like, when you're visiting the hospital all the time. Mm-hmm. But, like, like sure enough, like, he's giving you this beautiful baby now. Mm-hmm. Definitely wasn't the road that you envisioned mm-hmm. at all, but... It's just so, it's so crazy to see the way God work. And I'm so encouraged by you and Christina um, and your guys' response and all this to God and, and to Rilla and just that you guys have remained faithful in all of this is just an incredible testament um, to the faith that you guys have. Because like, I think if you guys went the opposite way and just, you know, turned your back away from God, like a lot of people will be like, yeah, I get it. I get, I get that. But, but, uh, you guys, you guys know that God's real. He, he, Jesus came and he died for you and saved you. And, and you know that he he had a plan and all this. Mm. What, What would you, what would you say or what kind of advice would you give someone if they were going through something similar to this? Yeah. Um, well, a couple things. One is our faithfulness is only God's grace mm-hmm. for one. Like I would say in, the, in, in all realities, like we probably and did turn our back on him for a time. Mm-hmm. There, were, there were times and seasons where just like, you know, if we were showing up to church, it was just in bitterness and in complete mm-hmm. anger, just even though we were there. You know, there were times we would show up and just turn around and leave. You know, you just mm-hmm. there. Oh, there's so and so with their baby, and just all oh, that. Let's get it's too much. Let's mm-hmm. get out of here. Um, so I'm just, I'll just say that, you know, yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with the amount of faithfulness that we had, but just God's grace and His goodness in the end, mm-hmm. and bringing us back. So just all credit is to Him. Um, and 
the other thing is, the other thing I want to say is that I always thought that God wouldn't give us more than we could handle. Mm. That's like something that I like thought was was true, but I don't think it is at all. Because if that were true, like, you know, we wouldn't need God. Yeah. You know, we, we in our own strength and ability would be able to handle anything that comes our way, mm-hmm. if, if that were the case. But he's going to put us into situations where, the, you know, we're win way over our heads. And yeah. there's no other option but to trust in him. You know, or, or just... It's sometimes not even just trusting him, but you're just you're just white knuckling it and going for the ride. You're like I don't know what's going to happen here. I remember thinking when when Lila was was she was just going like this was it. They had like pulled all the cords out and they knew this was going to you know it was just over. And I'm like this this can't be happening right now because I have no there's no way. As a, as a husband, that I'm going to be able to comfort my wife, and and you know she's just going to turn her back on God because this is like the worst thing ever, mm-hmm. and rightly so. Like, there's nothing I, I can't do this. Like, how am I going to be there for her? I can't. Like, there's just no way. It's too much for me. And you know she's going to check out, and this is it's just going to be over. And I don't know. I can't. I don't even know what the future looks like now. So there's so God's not going to let this happen. Like there's, this isn't actually going to happen. There's going to she's going to pull through, and it's going to be all right because you know God can't give us more than we can handle. That was mm-hmm. what I've told myself. And and yet there she goes. You know, so I guess what I'm saying is like yeah he will, he's going to put us into situations. And I think, you know, one of the things that I'm learning is, you know that God is going to do what he is going to do despite despite what we you know think is right or wrong mm-hmm. or best but i think and it's it's almost impossible i don't even know if it is possible to to go in through those situations knowing that that he knows best but all i can say is that i can testify to god's goodness Despite all of all of what happened, this is just proof, I guess, that that he is good, and he mm-hmm. does know best, mm-hmm. and that you know he he doesn't act on like Plan B, C, or D. He's got a Plan A for you, and for me, and he's going to see that through, you know, and we can either, you know, just open our hands on what we on on what we think the plan is mm. and just go with it and trust him or you know it's it's a battle of just resisting it the whole way and it's just it's just going to be difficult mm. and i part of me thinks that that's just what has to happen yeah you, you kind of have to get broken like that in yeah. order to to have your you know have stronger faith yeah. or or to really grow and trust for him um yeah, so I think that's the takeaway that that I have from all of that. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like something that that's really like made God so evident in my life as well, and and areas where I've grown in Him have always been the seasons where have been the seasons of struggle. You know, that's where I've felt 
closer than ever to God. It's, it's weird how he does it that way. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like, it's almost like you, not that I would dare to do this too often, but it's almost like you want to pray for a struggle so that you would grow closer to God. Cause in some ways struggle is when you are the most reliant on him. So I think having some element of uncertainty or difficulty in your life, like though it may seem sometimes like it's the wrath of God, it's really like the mercy and the grace of God as he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's drawing you closer to him and, and he's making you reliant on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really see that, especially in your guys' story. Like it's, it's incredible. I really appreciate you sharing that. So what's, what's next for the Hutchinsons? You have beautiful baby now. Uh, you guys are working on a house. Mm-hmm. You got more babies in the future. Any plans coming up here? We'll see. We'll see what <laughs> how 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 much blessing uh, God has in store. Mm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we would love to have more children if if that's what He has in in store for us. Mm. But uh, yeah, I think I don't know. We're we're in a season right now where we're we're living in Burnaby, kind of just looking forward to getting back into life in. In North Vancouver, and really, I think just really trying to strengthen community. Um, I'm looking forward to the Shore Youth mm-hmm. this coming year. Let's it's go. going to be good. Um, yeah, shameless plug right there. Yeah. I have to fit it <laughs> Thursday in. Thursday nights. Yeah, <laughs> seven o'clock. <laughs> um, no, yeah, just um, it, it's kind of hard to to be in a really good rhythm for with community group just being so far and mm. with with the baby and everything we're just trying to figure out you know do we t- take turns and but you know being back on the north shore like you're pretty much five minutes away from yeah. the community group and and uh, christina is about to launch a women's bible study yeah, um so yeah and i think just w- with all that struggle that that you go through what 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 tends to happen is your you you tend to shut things down and and just kind of fold into survival mode mm. you know so like so like uh serving on a sunday you you kind of like axe that out okay i can't do mm. that right now i'm just not in the right like my heart's not there and my mind you know i just end the time and just like so so you just start everything just starts closing in and, and being pared down to the absolute essentials of what you what you can do mm-hmm. but now if finally it feels like things are starting to open up again and um we can st- start to to kind of pour into the 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 different areas of of church that that we um were doing previously and it's you know the journey has been long and, mm-hmm. and those those things like have not been on our radar for a long time and so it still feels like like you're kind of coming back into spring um in in that kind of area of our yeah. life like you know we've got all this like new perhaps there's been like new growth and, and just new things in our own lives and now we're kind of finally being able to to be able to push that out and 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 kind of just put that into the church body and whether that's just like serving practically or whether it's through Bible study mm-hmm. or um, yeah, doing stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, just want to be able to like share this story and, and uh, just help other people out um, if at all possible. 
Does yeah. that answer the question? Oh, yeah, yeah. totally. I, I'm super excited for, for you guys this season. Of course, Christina doing the Bible study. You being with me in youth, always love having you there. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you one more really important question that just came to mind. I was just, I was just thinking of this. Uh, I saw recently on your wife Christina's Instagram feed. Uh-oh. She's. I had no idea you were married to a former movie star. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, I... What, what is this? She was in a couple of movies. Did, yeah. you, did you know this when you started dating her? Yeah, I, I found out pretty early on. And, you know, that's when I knew you know, she, she was the one. Oh, this yeah. I've caught myself a good one. No. Um, yeah. So what, what was she in exactly? She was in. Uh, and is she going to be Band. mad for us talking about, <laughs> no, with us talking no, about she this? She just book. posted on Instagram. Yeah, okay, good. So. I didn't think so. <laughs> Homeward Bound 2. I think she. She uh, is that, has that, like a Homeward Bound two was a was that like a straight to VHS movie? No way, that was in theaters, was mm, it? It could have been like early DVD days. Okay, straight yeah. to DVD. Yeah, so I think she played <laughs> like the childhood version, or yeah, the child, the child of one of the main characters. Okay, um, like yeah, in like a shot back to the past. Or okay, something. it's when they're on the baseball field. Okay, uh, yeah, so she's like the main character. For a split second, head over heels. She's oh. she's in that movie too. Okay, briefly, um, and then she was on a TV show I think called The Marshall. Okay, and that was like ongoing. Um, again, when she was pretty young. Okay, maybe five or six or seven or ten. Hmm. I don't know. I can't remember yeah. the details. But yeah, and then some some random commercials. She was on. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's that? What is that thing? I'm gonna get just slaughtered for not knowing this. Here. <laughs> That's okay. Um, well, we got a couple options. Pocket, that, maybe. Uh, it, if people are looking for movie recommendations for the next few weeks, uh, go check yeah. those out. Find Christina in there. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. Well, Brad, this has been uh, man, it's such a pleasure having you on here. You've been very open, vulnerable, which uh, I really admire and appreciate, and it's been really encouraging to myself to see your journey um and I, I think it will be for a lot of people as well so thanks so much for for coming on and doing this yeah no problem i do this all the time oh, so yeah. that's yes. why i'm so, so making, natural making and, the uh, rounds yeah <laughs> awesome well thanks a lot well that's gonna do it for this episode of the shore stories podcast a special thanks again to brad for coming on and being our first ever guest you can look forward to another episode coming out next week thanks everyone for listening and have a great day Thank you.